Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to another edition of PZ85 Plays. I am your Game Master Double H, and tonight we begin our adventures into New Fair proper. This is Candela Obscura on the Podzilla 1985 Network, our Halloween game. Uh, it's good to be back in the main chair. Before we begin tonight, if you have not, please do us a favor. Go back and listen to episode zero of this Halloween series uh, at Podzilla1985.com. That'll give you a little insight into what uh, we're going to be doing here, into our characters, and lots more about this particular one-shot adventure. Um, as well, before we begin tonight, let me quickly introduce our cast, which you'll learn about all uh, in turn in a moment. But we will begin uh, with the co-owner and creator of Podzilla 1985, Mr. Shannon Young, playing Jonathan Strangeway. I think it's just owner at this point. I know. I, it just It's habit. I don't do the intros very often anymore. Cody has uh, Cody has taken it to its logical extreme, which is creator of all things and, and all, all of that. It only makes um, sense. It's true. Uh, Lindsay Wolfgang is here playing Margaret Stockwell. I am excited to play this game. That's what I've heard. Stephen Bright is here playing uh, Lawrence. Is it Dane, Stephen? I've been meaning to ask. I'm going to say Dane, yes. Okay. I assumed I assumed it looks uh, uh, Swedish, if I had to guess. Um, playing my <laughs> playing my favorite character name of any of his characters ever. Elkina Bottomley is one man himself, Tanner Calvert. You know, I thought I had to get away from Norse just a little bit. Yeah, that's what it is. And joining us for BZ85 Plays for the first time ever, Ethan Craig Miles, playing uh, one of my least favorite character names to say ever, Patchy Tumble. Hello, everybody. It's good to be on the show. <laughs> going to take a little while for me to get used to that. Uh, so again, I can't stress enough that the game that we're playing, Candela Obscura by Darrington Press, which is the, the publishing arm of Critical Role, uh, again, is currently in what is effectively beta. This is strictly from their quick start guide. We are playing their quick start adventure, Dressed to Kill, uh, which is Candela assignment number 665. Uh, if you are wondering what any of this means, do me a favor. Again, go back and listen to our, our episode zero from last week, right now, at podzilla1985.com. Then come back and join us right here as we begin the adventure proper okay to that end i'm going to save you a little trouble from the end of that episode um because we're going to recap the hook for what our characters are going to be doing here so any questions before i begin there yes I think I'm yeah. one <laughs> yes yes shannon please is there a way to hit the soundboard without you getting mad at me that's it. You did it. Thank you. You boiled the sound more down to its bare essentials. <laughs> okay. So, uh, again, the adventure hook from, from last week, just so it's fresh in everybody's mind and we have a little idea uh, of what's going on, comes across like this. A riot of sound radiates from the New Fair World Exhibition, where once these city streets were filled with the screaming of civilians, there is now the laughter of children. The echoing of gunfire has been replaced with the pop, pop, pop of roasting caramel corn. The explosions of enemy bombs are now the crackling of electrified inventions. Even three years after the war, it feels almost incongruous to hear the wild noise of happiness. You carry with you, as all Halen citizens do, the weight of the last great war on this Memorial Day. In celebration of the military implementation of electricity, the incredible power that forced otherware to withdraw from the region, New Fair hosts an exhibition of advancement every year. 
Today, the district of Briar Green is a new world. Transformed by colorful flags, each street is lined with the stalls of a pop-up market, and children scurry among the crowd dressed in their finest. On display, there is row after row of inventions, the likes of which you've never seen. Come see the electromagnet elevator. Use radar technology to find your missing sheep, madam. Tired of buttoning your shirt for work every day, sir? Try the amazing zipper and get your morning back. Best of all, the entire district smells of cotton candy. When we finally make it through the cacophony into Briarbank College and its exhibition hall, the world seems to forget the rules by which it operates. Here, the bright sun is dimmed by a dust-filled darkness, and the outside noise is compacted into a weighty hush. The hall is filled with the whispering of industrial giants exchanging vast sums of money. The inventions in these rooms are titanic. The very air smolders with a static buzz. Electric screams silence the speakers with a regular staccato, sending the bravest eyes looking up to the lightning that dances across the ceiling. We wander in silence through the gallery, listening to the daring inventors perched on bespoke stages evangelizing their work. If you'll just stand over here, sir, there, now, don't be afraid. The x-ray machine will only show us your bones, nothing more. But you'll have to hand me the items in your pocket, sir. Ah, thank you. Yes, I've always wanted a gold watch. <laughs> there are flyers throughout the hall of a bright, almost iridescent green, and in the dim light, the pages seem to glow. The electric flashes, they nearly sparkle. We follow them like a trail of breadcrumbs to a massive crowd. High on the stage before us stands a beautiful woman, Vera Montgomery, swirling in a glowing green dress. She's a beam of light incarnate as she parades before a massive sign, a word painted in the same eerie green hue, undark. Over the gasps from the crowd, we cannot hear the voice of the man who stands with her, but it's clear he is highlighting the features of the pigment. He gestures around the room as if to say, you need no light but the one we provide. In our undark, you are the light. The crowd erupts into cheers, pulling the attention of the entire hall, and in that cacophony, it takes a moment to hear the model's screams. But her cries grow louder and more piercing over the enthusiasm of onlookers and the crash of electricity. All at once, a hush blankets the hall. Gaping red sores have opened across the woman's skin, crawling from beneath the undark dress in deep fissures of pain. The model stops screaming, holding her hand up before the crowd, and within her hand, her bones glow green, the terrible mirroring of the x-rays on display only a few feet away. As we watch the bones within each finger fall, disconnected toward her wrist until her flesh hangs like a glove. The cascade of disconnecting bones runs down her arm, then through her spine, her legs, until once, or what, I'm sorry, what was once, a beautiful woman is a pooling mass of writhing flesh. In the end, there is nothing but a pile of red viscera and the most beautiful green dress the world has ever seen. Looming above the body like a promise, a glowing sign reads, Undark. That is where we will begin. So, once again, it is Memorial Day in the city of New Fair, a city that is bustling uh, outward ever constantly. Uh, it, it is essentially a New York type uh, around the turn of the century, so there are electric cable cars that run from every uh, section of the city to another, screaming through the cities at high speeds. 
the buildings are beginning to continuously move upward as opposed to outward. Um, there is uh, steam everywhere, but primarily in, in major industrial sections, of course. Uh, there is grime that covers a majority of the buildings, unless, of course, you live in one of the nicer districts there. In the area where the, the college, Briarbank, uh, is mentioned, Briar Green, um, things are quite a bit nicer, as it was described to you, or at least they were. The weather now on this Memorial Day, and now, of course, we're getting to the midday time, perhaps 11, 11.30, close to noon. The weather seems to have followed the pattern of uh, the day inside that exhibition hall, and where it once was bright and sunny, the clouds have started to move in. A light drizzle of rain is starting to patter down on the streets. Margaret Stockwell, where do you find yourself at this time of day? On this day, I'm at my family's establishment, the Celadon Codex, in one of the archive rooms. I'm muddling over some papers from past exhibitions that we have gone on. And I'm specifically looking for items that we have gathered from Old Fair that are made of obsidian. All right. So you are located currently then in the Varnish, which is a couple of districts away uh, from Briarbank. You would likely have, you, you would definitely, I should say, have known uh, about the festivities happening on Briar Green. What keeps you away from celebrating this Memorial Day? I am just not very interested in the new things that are happening at the moment. I'm a little more fixated on my own work. Although I know members of my family would be present at the event going on in Briar Green. Okay. Um, so this archival room located maybe in the basement of the museum? Yes, yeah, so one of the, the lower wings. Okay. Uh, you've been at it for some time now. Uh, it's it's dark in most of the room, bright only where it needs to be, directly in front of your, your workspace. Um, but behind you, you can hear... Uh, the clack of footsteps, someone coming forward, uh, and a young man's voice uh, calls out, uh, Mrs. Stockwell, uh, you have a visitor. I'll be there in just a moment. I'll tidy up my things and close the book I'm working on and get up and head out to the main hall where they're probably waiting for me. Okay. Uh, as you make your way to do so, again, it's, it's rather dark in the room. The stairwell is slightly lit. Um, before you can quite cross the room, there is uh, the sound of, of more footsteps. These are lighter and yet also somehow heavier. They sound like they belong to someone uh, who maybe doesn't carry or take up as much space as, as the young man who came to, to speak with you. Uh, and yet at the same time, there's an air of authority to them. And an older woman's voice says, there'll be no need for taking any further steps, Margaret. I know better than... To make you come to me, I'll come to you instead. You I'll recognize smile the woman. When I recognize the woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a woman who uh, a voice a voice that you would know even without seeing her. Um, for the benefit of the rest of you, though you're not there at the moment, an older woman, uh, mid fifties or so, uh, steps forward. She's quite tall. She's almost six feet tall. Um, part of that, of course, comes from the the heel boots. The, just the edge of which you can see uh, right underneath her skirt. Uh, but she's 
not gaunt either. She's sort of rail thin, very stock straight, um, quite serious. She has a, a, a mess of tangled sort of graying curls on the top of her head, and she dresses very sort of fashionably for the, the women of the day, um, including elbow-length gloves, um, even midday. She actually probably looks like she would have been at the celebration, and yet here she is with you at the at the Celadon Codex. Um, you know this to be Lightkeeper Octavia Halpine, a woman who has been working with uh, your shared organization for quite some time. She is a retired investigator. Uh, her circle has since parted ways. Um, and she steps forward to you and instinctively reaches out her uh, left arm to shake your hand, then stops, shakes her head, and sort of exhales a, a breath with a kind of a quick smile to you, like a knowing smile, uh, and then instead extends her right hand to shake your hand. Which I'll greet her properly, having known her. And okay. what brings you here today, Octavia? Well, <laughs> whatever brings me anywhere, dear. Candela requests your assistance. All right. Um... Can I assume that any of my usuals will be meeting us as well? <clears throat> I actually came to speak with you about that. Uh, it occurs to me since our last meeting, I don't actually have any contact information for uh, uh, a particular associate of yours. Um, I, I, she laughs to herself and says, I, I hesitate to say he's quite unremarkable and is instead quite remarkable in that way. Are we referring to Lawrence? Lawrence, yes, yes. She kind of snaps her fingers like that jogged her memory, yes. Uh, Mr. Dane, if I recall correctly. Um, I intended to reach out to him as well, but again, unfortunately, I, I seem to be at a loss. Uh, if, if you could help me in that particular endeavor, I'll uh, see what I can do about gathering other resources and meeting you at the usual place. Yep, I can uh, figure out where he's scrounging around at the moment, and we can meet you there. Oh, very good, very good. Um, and so she she's very much one not to mince words. She turns quickly on her heel and swish of her skirt as she turns and heads back up the, the stairwell. Um, by the usual place, where do you believe she would mean? Likely than not, as of most recent, based on other characters, it would probably not necessarily be right in the varnish, but maybe in the outskirts. Okay. Of it. Sure. Sure. There's, um, as a matter of fact, there's a, a bookstore that you know that Octavia frequents uh, by the name of the Gilded Rainbow that you could certainly meet with her uh, in. It's a relatively secure location. The owner is someone who is, um, if not Candela uh, member, uh, definitely Candela adjacent and is sort of receptive to those things. Someone who's unlike most people in New Fair who, again, do not know anything of the things you know of. Okay. Right. So she heads... Uh, Presumably to to the the gilded rainbow, which again is in the varnish. It's it's uh, on the edge of it, but you're not terribly far from there. You assume that she's probably leaving on foot. Um, 
where do you plan to find Mr. Dane? I'll gather a couple things and leave the codex. And I know there's a couple of paper boys in the area that are good at watching people's faces. And I'll uh, kind of wave one of them over and give them a couple of coins and say, hey, I need you to get Lawrence for me. Okay. Make a, make a sway roll for me, if you would, please. A sway All test. right. We're starting right off with something that Ooh. I got no points in. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So that, since you're, you're on your own at this point, that means it's a 2d6. You'll take yeah, the lower um, result I of the will... Can I uh, burn a drive to give myself yes. one in it? So, so when you spend a drive in that case, what that means is now you roll one die. It gives you a single die to roll. If she didn't burn a drive, uh, she would have two and take the lower one, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm still going to do the one. That's fine. Okay. So you spend your drive. <laughs> this kid's having nothing to do with me. That's a one. <laughs> Oof. Uh, you you look around. Actually, the, the situation, the problem is that you, you look around um, for one of your sort of little birds, right? A, a usual paper boy who might have some information. Um, but with the, the oncoming rain and, and the further you look out in the sky, the more you see that uh, it's growing darker by the minute. Um, it's not just oncoming rain. It's an oncoming storm. The paper boys have likely scattered, right? Certainly they need to make their money and, and make their living and get by. Um, but you can't do that with newspapers that are soaked, Right. And so yeah. uh, many of them have taken to their normal hiding spots. Uh, you, you might know where one of those two places might be. Uh, one of them is, is probably the nearest shelter for those who are uh, not as, as <clears throat> fortunate to have somewhere to hole up. Um, the other might be the, the uh, newspaper printing press. Uh, they may have actually gone back there maybe to get more, maybe to, to hide their current stash out of the rain one of the two, but there's no no one nearby um, in that particular vein to, to assist you in this moment. Okay. I am going to grumble to myself a little bit and cut my losses and <laughs> figure, you know what? Most people right now are probably over in Briar Green because of the World's Fair. And mm. if I know Lawrence, he's going to follow where the people are to see where he can make some money. So I am going to head over that way to see if I can find him kicking around over there. Okay. Again, it's a couple of districts away. How do you plan on getting there? Are you going to walk? Are you going to take a cable car? What's the plan? I'm going to take a cable car since the weather's getting a little gross. I don't necessarily want to be completely out in the open. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you got it. There's a... a um cable car station nearby you wait not terribly long uh there's a little bit of an overhang so as the rain starts to pick up a bit it, it's not terribly difficult for you to get out of it it's splashing around in puddles grimy oil slicked puddles running throughout the city streets you hear that crash of electricity as those cables uh start to pick up as someone gets closer the static that's bristling in the air and a minute later uh one comes by importantly these cable cars generally do not stop they just kind of slow down enough for you to to step on oh, uh, but you're able yeah. to do so within any real difficulty yeah there's a handful of passengers no one particularly remarkable uh and yeah the cable car takes off heading toward briar green let's move over to you lawrence uh what say you about the guesses that your compatriot has made? Are you indeed over in Briar Green? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a fair assessment, and I would say that I'd be assessing who might be uh, having a bit of a, you know, heavy pockets that might not be, you know, maybe some people might not need uh, that much weight on them, so (laughs) I was trying to help them out. You, you you certainly uh, think of it that way. That's definitely how exactly. Lawrence would think of it. I suspect. Like no, no um, jobs have been coming around, so I figured might need something for you know the weekend. Sure, um, you would imagine maybe that that job might be more difficult inside the the exhibition hall. Of course, sure, it's darker and and there's lots more money being exchanged there. But these are all also people who are very careful with their money being an experienced uh, pickpocket an experienced thief you know that uh, there's nothing that people who have money love more than getting more of it and there's nothing they hate more than losing it so they might not be the best targets the best marks those might be outside and business was probably doing all right for you for some time uh, early this morning but a couple of things have happened since then Uh, as the morning progressed you began to hear sounds of, uh, well, disconcerting sounds. Screams, people rushing in the opposite direction from you. Um, you pick up words and phrases about, uh, she, she just melted. She just melted. Um, those sorts of things. It isn't long after that that a handful of um, periphery officers clearly identified periphery officers. These are not undercover officers in any way. Um, long, dark coats, dark hats. Uh, they've they've got the periphery symbol pinned to their, their chest. They're not making an attempt to hide this. Um, carrying, you know, sort of like blackjacks or billy clubs uh, brazenly. Ste- start stepping into the area uh, and they begin to cordon off the main exhibition hall, the, the Briarbank College exhibition hall. Um, if you'd wanted to go in there, it's going to be much more difficult to do so now. Importantly, they don't seem to be paying any specific attention to you. Um, but between the oncoming storm and the involvement now of the periphery, um, your job just got a little harder. Yeah, but something might have just gone down, and I bet you some people might be wanting to know what has happened. It might pay a good sum, so... I might see an opportunity there. Okay. All right. So what would you like to do? I mean, I uh, I kind of just want to see if I can get more uh, information about this woman melting. Like, it's kind of mm. kind of seems like something the Cadella Obscura might be interested in. And, of course, with uh, Margaret's affiliation, I figured that might be something she would you know, pay some money for her. So I figured I would want to, uh, I guess, try to slip in and see if I can figure out, uh, get some eyes on the situation, see what I can find out for her. Okay. So effectively you want to head in on into the exhibition hall. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. of course not where they post the guards. I hopefully can find maybe, (laughs) Uh, a little uh, back door or like just a, a window that I could slip through. Okay. 
so you make your way toward the the exhibition hall so you can get a better look at, uh, at what's going on. Again, there's a handful of periphery officers posted around the perimeter of the building. You're looking for an entrance that might be less noticeable. So go ahead and uh, make a survey test for me. All right, so that's gilded. So I still that's just correct. Do one, correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You still have one point in the in the skill, so you get the one roll. Ooh, five. Okay, a mixed success. So, you basically patrol the edge of the building for a short period of time, um, looking for any viable entry. It's a big building. Uh, it is part of a college campus, so there's really not a lot of upper entryways, not a lot of open windows. The further up the building, the the uh, building itself goes. Um, it does seemingly have some level of skylight if you were able to get all the way up to the top of the building, but that doesn't look like a, a particularly viable entryway. Um, what might be more helpful to you is a service entrance uh, around the back, which is connected to the dining hall for the campus, the main dining hall. Uh, naturally, that space has location for lots of, of food uh, intake and outtake for that matter. There are dumpsters and other things around the back. Um, it doesn't look like this particular area is quite as uh, well guarded because at this time of the day, uh, the dining hall would normally be starting to pick up. Students would be making their way there to eat. It is almost lunchtime after all. And so the periphery has kind of left that to maybe campus security. One or two folks who are coming by every once in a while to keep an eye there. Um, about the time that you notice that entryway, you turn and you almost turn directly into a periphery officer who happens to be coming up to where you are and uh, puts his hand kind of on his, his hip where he has that, that blackjack, that kind of billy club that's in his, yes. his belt. Mm -hmm. says, what are you doing around here? This place is off limits right now. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to intrude on anything. Just saw some commotion and of course... You know, uh, curiosity got the better of me. Yeah, well, take your curiosity somewhere else, lad. There's plenty of other exhibitions to be had elsewhere. Okay, fair enough, officer. Uh, you enjoy your day. And I guess I'll try to walk off and try to blend in with the crowd so that he uh, can lose sight of me and not Ooh. worry about me anymore. Okay, so if you specifically want to kind of lose him, he's not following you, but you do get the idea that maybe he took a little longer look at your face than you would prefer. You might be somewhat unremarkable, but uh, that doesn't mean without you know extended observation someone can't take notice of you. Um, if you want to try to slip away, maybe be less noticeable, I will need you to make a hide test. This is the part where Steve, where Steven's character needs me and Tanner and you to be behind him going, there's a god. Watch the god. <laughs> god, god over it's, there. What I, it's what I was thinking of already. God here. <laughs> That's a double four. My gilded is four. Uh, hmm. Okay. You haven't spent any drives, so no drive to regain there. Okay. Um, but a four is a mixed success. Okay. So you do manage to slip into a, a crowd uh, of 
college students who are coming by at that time. Uh, not that you look much like them. You're, you're a tad older than the average college student. But uh, at the very least, there's enough rowdiness and enough revelry. Folks who maybe haven't quite heard of the atrocities that have happened just yet um, to, to really notice you doing so. Um, the periphery officer, you hope anyway, seems to have lost sight of you. Um, so you, you do manage to get away from that location. Uh, unfortunately, where they kind of deposit you, if you follow their their flow, doesn't really put you any closer to the space where you wanted to enter the building. Um, if anything, it kind of puts you farther away from it. They, they uh, kind of break up their little throng, their little gathering at a fountain some maybe 50 yards away from the building itself. Um, Patience is a virtue, so... Sure, takes sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause you there. And we're going to head over to some of our other compatriots. Elkanah, this morning, what have you been doing um, at Briarbank College, where I presume you reside in the dorms, yes? Correct, yeah. <clears throat> I have been uh, spending as, as I do most of my mornings in the in the, in the library. Uh, I you know maybe yesterday morning I heard the name of a, a certain name of a family around here and the surname sounded interesting and I'd like to go look at the genealogy. And uh, okay, seeing, seeing as that's one of the things I study, you know that that caught my interest. So I, I probably spent the morning in the library researching this. All right. Uh, you are certainly able to do so with no difficulty. You're a well-read man. Um, your compatriots, the the folks around you, the other students of Briarbank College, are maybe not quite as studious as you in general, and so you notice that it is rather empty in the library that morning. Um, the library situated a decent distance away from the exhibition hall. You can still hear some sounds of revelry outside, uh, the popping, again, of popcorn and uh, children running about, whether that's irritating or, or endearing to you is your choice, of course. Um, but it's maybe not as quiet as it would be normally. As the morning drags on, though, you hear those sounds change. Screams of laughter and excitement turn to screams of horror. Um, they don't last long. It seems like pretty quickly you hear sounds of marching boots, um, a sound that you would very quickly attribute to the periphery moving in. Something has happened outside. Well, I mean, curiosity would peak at some point in time, but, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to be involved in anything that's going out there. I just like to be left alone in my library. Um, I've already finished with this stack of books. I'm probably going to go replace these, grab a couple more. And uh, now that I've got a little free time, I may try to find, you know, something on the occult. I mean, you know, this is my little extra curriculars that I can't really talk about too much in the public, but since the library is empty and I'm trying to avoid what's happening outside, I'm going to go take part in this extracurricular activity I like to do. And I'm going to try to just delve into this book to try to distract myself from what's going on. Okay. You spend maybe a little more time uh, researching those things that interest you. Uh, this time, though, not nearly as much uninterrupted time. Um, it's maybe 15 to 20 minutes later before a periphery officer actually bursts through the doors. There's one and then another at his heels. Um, the main one is older, a bit grizzled. 
He's got a little bit of a, a sort of a patchy beard where it looks like maybe he he uh, scratches at it pretty regularly. He marches directly up to the circulation desk uh, and and tells the librarian on duty that all students, any students present at this point, need to evacuate these premises as the periphery is currently taking control of the campus to the best of their ability. She turns and looks at you but doesn't say anything immediately. The officer then, of course, turns, sees you there and said, all right, lad, let's go. Got to clear it out now. Uh, looking kind of, I'm, I'm a little, I'm rattled by this. I'm like, I'm, I'm studying, but I'm gonna follow, I'm, I'm gonna follow the rules. I'm gonna go with you, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to pack these books because I'm not just reading them here, so I'm gonna take them with me. So I've got these books and the occult things I'm wanting to take with me. So I, I let the, the librarian know, and I, I go sure. to the, the offshore. You're a regular customer at the library, right? She knows who you are. She kind of waves dismissively. She looks rattled as well. Uh, and you see her go to start making some marks, pen and paper. She's writing down some sort of IOUs, basically, for the library as, as she's just trying to get things in order at the, at the last minute. Um, the officer is not rough with you, don't get me wrong, uh, but is certainly forceful. Right. He's, he's standing close behind you, making sure that you're leaving as well. His other partner now seems to be sweeping the area and ensuring that no one is left behind. Um, they want people away. It's, it's very clear to you that this is the case. And when you step outside, maybe it becomes clearer as to why uh, the exhibition hall itself has been sort of wrapped off in this red tape. Uh, there are periphery officers now posted about every 20 feet or so, and you can see at least a couple at most of the major entrances that you notice. Uh, this is a place that you've you've certainly been before, right? There have been scientific exhibitions and, and uh, um, displays and that sort of thing that you've gone to see voluntarily, sometimes for classes as well. Well, uh, but you've never seen it like this. You've never seen it under the control of anyone but the college. Uh, the periphery is very clearly intending to put it on lockdown. So the officer I'm walking with, like, let it be known that you know I there's no there's enough family money in my family that I have a dorm by myself. I don't have to worry about rooming with somebody. But the officer doesn't know that. So I you know I'd like to try to figure out what's going on because this is all very weird to me. I mean, like, officer, you know, is, is there any, is there a problem? Is there a danger out here? You know, my, my room out here somewhere, and I'm, I'm worried about them. Okay. Uh, I'm going to need you to make a sway test for me, then. Okay. Yeah. So is that just... Uh... 2d6. You have two points in sway. All right. Four is the highest. It's a mixed success. So the officer uh, turns back to you. He's, uh, again, an older, kind of grizzled guy. And he says, ah, nothing to concern yourself with, lad. Uh, he starts to say, basically, the periphery has it under control. About that time, his uh, his partner comes back makes mention that the, the library is clear and he says, can't you see I'm having a conversation, lad? Uh, sorry, sorry, sir. He, he steps away uh, to meet up with his, his other compatriots, maybe to go back and, and play some line there. Um, the the older gentleman leans over and puts his hand on your shoulder and says, look, son, it's best you get back to your space. Stay locked in for the rest of the day. We'll take care of things out here. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you 
for everything. I'm thank you for keeping us safe here. Yes, yes. Of course. My, and I start making my way back to my dorm. Okay. I'm gonna put a pause on you there as well. All right, I'm going to bring two characters in at the same time here, so we may have to kind of go back and forth simultaneously. Jonathan and Patchy, the two of you would both have been present at the moment that this took place. The celebration of New Fair's Memorial Day and of the Halen Memorial Day is far too great an opportunity to pass up for performers such as yourselves. So, Jonathan, we'll start with you. Where precisely would you have been set up to perform your act throughout this celebration? Somewhere uh, on the main main floor where the action is. He is a star, so he would be presented as a star. Okay. So, your act, though most of the performers... Uh, would be set up in some sort of outside amphitheater or auditorium. You were one of the few acts that was permitted into the main exhibition hall, despite the fact that most of the space there was taken up by, again, inventions and inventors. Um, yours was one of the few that was meant perhaps purely for entertainment, given a side room of your own uh, to set up your act and perform. What have you been performing on that's, this day? That's because he invents imagination. He is an inventor. <laughs> he is an inventor of pleasure. Um, he, I, when I think of it, I think of it like a classic Vegas show. It's lights, it's okay. spectacle, dancing girls, um, anything to hustle the crowd. It's very showy. Sure, it's it's very flashy. Think Siegfried and Roy without the tiger. Maybe there's a tiger. <laughs> if you want there to be a tiger, I won't argue. I, that that is that is entirely up to you. If you it's say a there's white a tiger, tiger, there's a tiger. All it's right, a, it's a white tiger. <laughs> uh, and that tiger's name a, is Parker. And he's a good tiger. Oh, oh, <laughs> I love that. You you flattery will get you everywhere. Um, <laughs> your your uh, your act has attracted a large percentage of of college students, of bright rate college students today. Um, these are the kind of students who, well off or not, generally don't make it to the varnish to witness your uh, acts of showmanship, right? These are, are students who, Briar Bank is, is very much a, a Harvard or um, another Ivy League analog. These are not the kind of students that engage in a lot of revelry. And so they have, as you said, become really prime targets for this kind of entertainment. And in fact, a lot of the other stuff in the exhibition hall, they're aware of. They know about upcoming inventions and things that are happening in the world of, of science and medicine. What they don't know about is, as you said, showmanship. And so they're quite dazzled. Um, do, you, do you maybe like sell merchandise or something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean... If you don't think there are T-shirts and uh, like signed pictures and card sets and stuff like that, there's a yeah. There's a starter magic kit from Jonathan Strangeway, yeah, of course, that is selling like hotcakes, and he takes a particular interest in showing the young ladies of the college how to perform basic card tricks and things that to him is both rudimentary and and and. Uh, in a way crass and, and, and beneath him, but knows that it will impress them. And that's what matters the most. Sure. It's um, maybe your second performance. Oh, well, about how long does your act last? 
Uh, I would say probably 30 minutes to an hour per show. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's go hard and then go home. Yeah, yeah. So it's maybe your maybe you planned three performances that day, sort of a, a morning, noon, and evening show. Yeah. Um, it's maybe 10 to 15 minutes into your second act that something has gone wrong. The blinding lights on the stage make it difficult, really, for you to see the audience out there, even in the the auditorium. Uh, If you've ever been on a stage like that, you know that it's difficult to see uh, at a distance. The sort of gasps and kind of high-pitched laughter that you're used to hearing once once folks you know, recognize what's happening and how surprised they are at the, the acts of magic that you're performing um, are giving way to lower gasps and whispers. And uh, a woman's scream echoes out at one point in time at a totally inopportune time. You're just explaining a trick. You're not actively doing anything on stage at that moment. You hear the sounds of people getting up from their seats uh, and shielding your eyes. You can actually see now that People are getting up and leaving the theater in a hurry. Some of them are starting to jog. You're hearing bits and and words uh, on the crowd, just little bits of of phrases. Uh, Again, the word melted comes up. Um, You hear something about undark, or it sounds like undark. Uh, But people are actively now leaving your show. Well, I don't like that. Um, (laughs) I, I would look to one of my assistants i assume i have assistants i mean every good magician has his assistant um sure let's just call her staria uh that sounds like a good (laughs) magician name um sure he would look over to her and just kind of walk over to her and and ask her you know the devil's going on she would uh probably because you you have her so well trained to not respond, she's got a permanent grin just sort of plastered on her and, face. And, and he would and, and he would tell her, and, he, would, he would say, no, wipe that stupid grin off your face. What is happening <laughs> in my theater? Before it comes up, she would say, like, I don't know. You know, like, it's very, it's very, she, like, she's trying to keep up the stage act. He, she very much thinks that you're, this is part of the act, right? So she's also confused. So when you do that, you see her kind of snap out of it and look at you and go, how am I supposed to know? I've been here the whole time. What do you mean you don't know? I, I pay you to f- know these things. People are leaving. <laughs> she, she gestures down at her, her costume, which is, I'm, I'm sure, again, you know, 19th century, turn of the century magician, uh, or I'm sorry, 20th century, like turn of the century magician, uh, like like almost like a bathing suit and like tights or something. Uh, and she goes, you pay me to dress like this? You have I a- don't know anything. Oh, God, you have a brain, don't you? Like a show girl. Uh, I'm gonna look around. Is is there anyone there that can give me answers, or are they all leaving? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Let's have you make. Sorry, I'm I'm still getting used to all the different things that you can do. You have to get used to my British accent, (laughs) is what you're having to get used to. (laughs) Let's have you make a survey test. Okay, survey. So. Mm-hmm. I have no bonus in that. Pretend I don't know anything about this game. It's okay. <laughs> um, sorry, let me go look at yours. It's yeah, zero. So you have nothing in, in yeah. survey. Okay, so you will roll 2d6 and you will take the lower. Basically, you have disadvantage. All right. 
Three on each. <laughs> All right. Well, they're both threes, which unfortunately means they're also both failures. Uh, um, <laughs> you you go to look out again. The lights are still very bright. You you hold up a hand to shield your eyes, and you're looking back toward the crowd, but you're still just seeing that that people are leaving. Um, the the technicians who are sort of trying to adjust your your lighting again. Electricity is still kind of not a new invention, but people are just really figuring out how to harness it and what to do with it. Oh, um, oh and please. so the technician. Can I throw something in there? Can I please? Sure. So sure. he looks over at his technicians. He he can't see into the crowd. He looks over at technicians. He goes lights, and then they crank the lights higher, and one explodes in front of him. Yep. And he's like, Jesus, man, turn yeah. the lights down. Yeah. That's that's exactly what happens. Uh, you don't take a, a, a mark or anything for that. It's not a, it's not a, a thing that causes then pain to you or physical pain. You're not hurt, um, but it's a scary situation. The woman, by the way, screams bloody murder beside you and then goes tottering off. Like she doesn't wait for dismissal at this point. She totters <laughs> off the side of the stage, uh, and you hear her say something about this job isn't worth what he's paying me. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the the bulb explodes. Um, it is now that you have the the opposite problem. Uh, it's not that you can't see because it's too bright. Now you have difficulty seeing because it's too dark. However, you can hear sort of again throngs of people in the exhibition hall. It's pretty clear to you at least now that people aren't just leaving your show. People are leaving the fair in general. Now, in all the commotion, you said he heard certain things. Might he have heard someone say she melted? Yes. Okay. Yeah, almost definitely. Someone said it, it almost sounds like a hush whisper to you because it's so far back in the auditorium. Someone says to him, she melted. She fucking melted. What do you mean melted? She fucking melted. He is uh, with no <laughs> with his uh, assistant gone. He's going to say to himself, oh, she melted. Well, that sounds like a pretty good trick, actually. Maybe I should investigate. And then he's going to uh, hop down and follow the crowd to see what the hell's going on. Okay. As you open the doors, and the closer you get to the double doors of the theater in the back, right behind the seats, um, the more you can hear, again, masses of people moving. But it's almost like like a herd of cattle passing. They're pretty far off to your right now, and it sounds like the, the hall itself is relatively quiet, save for a handful of people who remain. There's some distant screaming far off to your left, um, and... You definitely pick up on someone saying, hold on, I'll get help. He, We're going to uh, pause you there for just a second. Oh, I want to throw in one little thing um, okay. for the record. He he has this weird thing where he's always shuffling cards or he's doing that trick. You know that thing that uh, Doc Holliday did where he does the coin. Rolling the coin on yeah. his knuckles. He's doing yeah. that constantly. He has to fiddle with something constantly. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. So he's watching all this while doing the thing with the coin and and doing then the thing with the thing. He's doing the thing. <laughs> all right. Pashi, no matter how early you arrived at the fair, you certainly were not um let's say invited, right? There's yeah. no space set up for for <laughs> your uh for your troop, for your circus. Um this is a, a creature of habit that you've you've sort of fallen into you you know where the crowds are and you know where to be and so as the fair is uh getting going earlier that morning just to rewind a bit um where do you set up uh so like if shannon or if uh jonathan has like this nice big stage she has a table she Mm -hmm. just like brought like a lot of her own supplies she just sets up a little like 
table, just like meet, greet, be laughed at, laugh with, just kind of be a bit more like personal, like one-on-one with the people she's trying to entertain. Yeah. You, uh, you're actually surprisingly able to do this. You get there early enough that you're able to do this inside the exhibition hall, uh, which again is a, is a good gig. Most people aren't allowed in there. Again, this is an inventor uh, medical science area. This is where the big boys are playing. Um, this is also where lots of money is being exchanged. And so most people don't really pay you much attention early on in the day. Your, your table is sort of set up to, to do what? What, what, are you, what are you performing or what are you doing on this day? Um, she's mostly just doing like hand readings and just trying to okay. like, tell people they're like, brief future and just yeah so psychic stuff basically yeah yeah fortune telling psychic type stuff um you might have like a a uh like a little hand written sign a wooden sign that says that this is the case and then what your you know prices are and and that kind of thing um again most people early they don't pay you much attention there are a few children uh that are being dragged along again in their finery by clearly extravagant parents who might stop and point and laugh at you. Um, and, and then the parents will come along, come along, you know, they pull them along quickly. Um, so they don't have time to, to pay attention to you. And then occasionally when that happens, you hear these sort of little hushed murmurs of how did she get in here? Um, as the morning goes on, you do get a couple of college students who actually stop and then pay you for your services. And they seem amused, if not particularly interested. Um, but it's becoming very clear that more and more people are wondering why you're inside the, the main exhibition hall and not out with the rest of the riffraff. In fact, at one point in time, um, a very stately gentleman, wire rim glasses, he's sort of balding, kind of little portly, um, comes up and says, excuse me, madam, uh, do you have a reservation? She kind of just uh, freezes up and is just like, uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's what I thought. He laughs only for a second. Um, he's literally got his nose in the air. He's got his hands behind his back, and he says, "If you would come with me." Uh, she just she's very she's extremely like just on the spot, completely in the hot seat. Is like, uh, 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 okay, okay. So she just okay. grudgingly follows him along. Okay. He'll wait for you to pack up your stuff. He won't wait very long, though. Um, at some point in time, as you're putting things away, you hear a... <clears throat> <clears throat> you pick up the pace a little bit, get things packed away. Um, carrying them, I'm guessing, in like a like maybe like a milk crate, like a big wooden box of some sort. Um, cardboard is not really you know prevalent at this time. It's not a thing so much. So, uh, All right, so you get your things packed away. It's a disappointing sort of ending. Um you do occasionally see one of the college kids come by and they're kind of like jerking their thumb in your direction. Like <laughs> get along with this. Um, the, the gentleman leads you toward the main double doors stands beside them. Doesn't even hold it open and just says good day. And she just kind of, you know, faintly smiles and just says, thank you for your time. And just starts making her way out the door. Just as your hand touches door handle to open it there's a scream back behind you in the distance she just enough just like tilts her head and just because yeah like out of concern oh yeah 
yeah, uh, surprisingly, maybe the the um, university official does the same. Uh, he doesn't look concerned, but he certainly turns in that direction. And the concern starts to grow as masses of people are coming the direction of the both of you. He steps aside to get out of the way of the door, and people just start filing out. In this commotion, um, you're sort of getting jostled around. Uh, I am going to need you to make for me a move test. All right, so I don't have any things in that, so I would just roll 1d6. You would roll 2d6 and take the lower. I promise I am not trying to constantly make you guys roll with disadvantage. I'm not looking at your stats before it's these rolls come funny. into play. <laughs> no, I mean, in context, it makes sense. I was just wondering. Sure, and that's that's the only reason I'm calling for it. You that, can burn a drive to get a uh, one die. That is correct. If you have a drive in that, you can spend one. That so would give you just the one die. Okay, so... But that's, that's well, your... I don't have any... I thought I didn't. Yeah, that's true. Any, uh, you don't. You do not have do any. I, you do not have any nerve drives. Oh. So I will just roll the two. Yep, two d six, and you'll take All the right. lower. I Both fours. Four. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a four and a four. So that's a mixed success. Um, Done better than you're, most of us. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You're able to get out of the way uh, of of the oncoming mass of again, not just now college students, but uh, people, inventors. Uh, well-to-do businessmen um, all seem to be kind of moving at the same pace. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of, of uh, panic in the crowd. You get out of the way. Um, sadly, your box of accoutrements does not. And it's left in the wake of the people who are, are moving toward that door. Um, you occasionally sort of try to reach into the, the masses and almost get a, a finger stepped on. You're not hurt. You don't take any marks. Um, but once the majority of the people make their way, that stampede through the doors, you see that many of the things you brought with with you are now in disrepair. Your fortune telling things are are uh, broken or damaged. She's pretty distressed by it, but she's more at this point. She's like, "Oh no, that!" But what's going on over here? Kind of. Yeah, thing. the this the screaming. Normal. And, Screaming has uh, not stopped. So is there, like, uh, she's she's a bit distressed with what's going on, but is she able to, like, focus or sense what's going on? Oh, okay. So you want to maybe take into account the possibility that this might not be a natural thing? Yes. Well... Okay. I mean, just... I don't know if it's, like, a stabbing or... Oh, I see what you're saying. You're just kind of trying to maybe hone in on what's happening. Yes. Um, if you look in the direction of where the sound is coming from, it's unclear at this distance. There are a lot of things in the way between here. There are a lot of exhibitions. This room is basically stuffed to the gills with them. Um, so to see specifically what's happening is unclear. There is just still some general panic and screaming uh, much further down the hall to your left. Okay. Um... Yeah, okay, because I wanted to see if, like, I, I basically wanted to use this as an excuse to test my abilities here in terms of being a player. Okay, what do you want to uh, do? I just, uh, let's see, so, um, I would like to, I'd just like to sense the, like, room or have an idea, like, 
try to hear what people are saying. Okay. Uh, if they're okay. saying anything. So we're trying to tune in specifically to what the people around you are, are saying or are doing, um, not in any sort of supernatural way. You're talking literally about listen to the crowd, try to pick up on bits and pieces. Yes. Yes. Okay. Make a focus test. Okay. So focus test is, so I got two of those. So then I would roll two D six, two D six. Okay. And focus for you is gilded, which means you also, your second die will be gilded. Okay. If you so, spend a drive and you succeed on it, you can get it back. I do have four and a six. A six on is gilded. Yes. Uh, since you didn't spend a drive or haven't spent one, that, that doesn't, the gilded doesn't matter in this case, but a six is a complete success. All right. So you, as, as you look away from your, your broken, um, items, your, your work items, things that you know at some point in time you're going to have to replace. You recognize it's not the, the thing to worry about at this point in time. We don't have, like, you stop, uh, you close uh, your eyes, you take a deep breath, you listen to what's happening around you as you step to safety, um, and you pick up on a few things here and there. You pick up on, number one, a name in particular, uh, a name that sounds familiar even if you don't necessarily know exactly why. Uh, that name is Vera Montgomery. Okay. You also uh, pick up on uh, a phrase, something that you may have seen in and around the hall. Again, there were flyers up for it, uh, a phrase, undark. Okay. Much like your compatriots, you hear turns a phrase related to the word melted numerous times. She fucking melted. How does a person melt? That sort of thing. Okay, now that she's heard that somebody's melted, um, she immediately is like, okay, or, well, she's like, could this have, she mutters to herself, could this have been something with a curse? That does not seem... <laughs> that doesn't seem like a parlor trick to her, like some other showmans in her that she knows about. So she was like, "Okay, she's she's wanting to." Basically, I want to see if I can sense if this has anything to do supernatural wise. Now that I have some evidence on that. From the place that you are, you're not close enough to any specific situation to to tap into that power. Okay. Uh, you would then... you you know that you would have to get closer to an incident to be able to read it in that way. Okay. She, despite everything, she actually try attempts to make her way through the crowd and try to find the source of what's going on. Okay. The university official who had previously been concerned with you is currently far too occupied with the uh, mass of people that is moving outward, is probably doing so themselves, the same, trying to figure out what to do. Um, as you turn to head toward the sounds, the, the, uh, the screams and the concern and the panic uh, all on that end, um, at that very moment, the door to your left swings wide open and face to face you find yourself with one Jonathan Strangeway. She just kind of sighs and, to herself and just 
And was this he, one of your tricks? And he would reply, oh, the clown. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Oh, I was worried we were going to be taking things too seriously today. Did you melt by chance? What do you mean I've melted? Do I look melted? No, you look like a clown. And you look... Mm, anyway. Oh, that is the kind of intelligence that I would come to expect from you. I'm not here to argue. There's something going on, something bad. I need to find out what's going on. I assumed it was your show. Hardy har har. Yes, look. Always with jokes. Pleasantries aside, yes, something is going on, and we need to... I need to figure out what it is. You go in a car somewhere with other clowns. She just kind of looks at him and says, Jonathan, this is serious. You know me, or at least heard of me. I'm never this serious. I'm going to find out what's wrong, what's going on. And I'm going to tag along for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> she begrudgingly looks off and just eventually accepts that Jonathan's coming along. Yeah, Jonathan, you, you can't possibly allow yourself to be upstaged by this clown. No, right? God, no. No. You're, you're, you're certainly, you may not be in the life-saving business, um, but you do have some knowledge of things unusual, right? Yes. Um, it's it's entirely likely that the idea that this might be in any way related to that is too much of a pull. Plus, again, you're not going to let the clown upstage you. That's not an option. No, if the clown's in here, then clearly I belong here too. <laughs> All right. So as the two of you um, strange bedfellows head in that direction, we'll put pause on you. Margaret, we come back to your cable car screeching to a halt um, right at the entrance, basically, of the, the main plaza of Briarbank College. Uh, at the point in time that you arrive, much like what Lawrence witnessed, the periphery has already moved in and has already uh, sequestered off the, the exhibition hall. Um, a moment later, you feel a hand on your shoulder. And sure enough, your compatriot has found you where you've come to find him. Full timing. I was coming to find you. Candela needs us. <sighs> what for? I don't know. That's why I came to get you, and we're going to the bookstore. Uh, okay. I need to stop by my place. I need to drop off a few things. How much contraband are you carrying right now? Um, just enough for the weekend. All right, make it quick, and we'll get to the rainbow. Well, don't you want to know what's happening here? I mean, the periphery's already here. I assumed you wanted to get out of here if they are present. I mean, someone melted somehow, and sounds what? pretty interesting. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Couldn't get a good look, though. The contraband was kind of slowing me down. Couldn't really find a good place to get in. Okay, well, maybe Octavia knows something, and that's what we're leading into. Mm, okay. I mean, I figured you could maybe sway us to kind of get entrance to see if we can uh, take a look at things. 
you know. I just stare at him for a moment, and I'm like, really? Me? Sway? Are you forgetting who you're talking to here? I'm way more blunt than you are. I I mean, yeah, use your bluntness. Just push him out of the way. (laughs) I have money, but the periphery is not going to give a shit. As you two are having this conversation, other cable cars are the one, uh, Margaret, that you stepped off of has has taken off. And a moment later, in the sense that they kind of move around this track around the city in the way that um, like like a a theme park ride does one of those like consistently moving ones. um, Another car comes screeching into the station behind you. uh, And uh, once again, a very familiar voice calls out, ah, there you are. Octavia has followed you, uh, seemingly, to this area. Uh, She looks, Lawrence, at you and says, and quite literally, there you are. Here I am. (laughs) She laughs a bit and and looks to you, Margaret, and says, I know I'd asked to meet at the Rainbow, but things have taken a turn. Well, we're already in the same spot, so uh, lead the way, ma'am. I will. Um, But we have other matters to attend to. Follow me to the dorms. So she sets off. (laughs) Yeah, she sets off across the plaza, um, head high, boots clacking. Uh, She pays no mind to the periphery. They really don't pay any mind to her either, but it's not a, a, an understanding. They don't know each other. It seems more of a, uh, she is not heading in the direction of any place that has been corded off. I, I Elk, just stare you... at the, Oh yeah, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I just, I just want to stare at the, you know, blocked entrance and just kind of whisper to myself, I wanted to see the melted woman. <laughs> <laughs> Elk in this time frame, what have you been doing? I mean, I've just been making my way back to my dorm, but I'm I'm trying to pay attention to what's going on now because obviously my curiosity is going to be the best. I mean, I've got to figure out what's going on. Uh, is is the officer still following me, or am I? Are they just kind of let me go off my own. No, once once you get sort of out of the main plaza and far enough away from the exhibition hall, he turns and and. Uh... He kind of just sees you off and then turns and heads back to the remaining officers. He, you get the idea this might be like a captain, like somebody a little higher ranking. And so he's got uh, other less informed officers to make sure are keeping up the rank and file. I got you. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to, now that I realize I'm not being followed, I mean, I'm going <coughs> to hear off and see if I can't get an idea of what's going on. Okay. Uh, as soon as you believe that you are out of sight if you want to continue to avoid being seen especially since you were just in the presence of periphery officer I'm going to need for you to make a hide test oh that's just one die okay cool uh no actually it's no die you don't have a point in hide so you roll two d6s, take the lower. Okay. A two. Okay. Yeah, the four would have been a mixed success, but a two is indeed a failure. Um, you 
very much believe that you're out of the sight of the periphery. Um, kind of maybe stop and, and stop behind a tree, stop and look around the corner. Doesn't seem like anyone is still following or within your line of sight. And so you turn and maybe swing around to the other side of the building. Um, you do manage to get much closer than you would have expected to the exhibition hall. In fact, uh, you know, going to the to the dining hall on a regular basis since you live on campus at Briarbank, that there's a surface entrance that backs up to the dining hall, which is directly across the alleyway from the exhibition hall. Perhaps there's an entrance there. Sure enough, it looks like it is uh, unpatrolled. And as you step around the corner and make your way toward that doorway, you hear from the opposite end of the alleyway, Stop right there! You look up and there's a periphery officer who's... Um, very much taking notice of you. Uh, does not look like the one that you spoke to before, uh, but it's a, a younger man um, dressed in the the periphery, you know, attire, the dark hat, the dark coat. Um, he starts making his way toward you, and he says, "What are you doing here?" Uh, I'm still. I'm trying to locate my my roommate. I'm, I'm at first. I'm gonna stick with that story. I'm trying to find my roommate. Okay. He's not buying it. He's going to say immediately, I, well, I can tell you for a fact he's not in there. All right, this is periphery business. You need to move on along from here. Wait a minute. Haven't I seen you before? A second later, as he says this, you recognize this is the younger officer that was with the older one that was accompanying you earlier. Yeah, I have seen you. We told you to leave the first time. You're going to need to come with me. Look, do you know who my father is? And I'm gonna try to pull this, this rank like that, you know, because you know, I, I, he, he elk comes from family, or comes from money. And, you know, they're they're a pretty big family in this area. Yeah, most of us do come from family. Um, family I'm, gonna need, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to make a sway test. Okay. Five. Okay, a mixed success. Uh, you you mentioned your family, and you get the idea this is something that this guy hears a lot. Like, maybe he spends a lot of his time on patrol in the eaves, or perhaps uh, even around the college. You've never seen him before, to the best of your knowledge. Uh, but he probably is often put on patrols where people pull that a lot with him. And so it's not even so much that he's rattled by it, as he is just tired. He just kind of goes... <sighs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know. How much is it going to, to line my pockets with to, to let this go? Uh, before you give an answer from behind you, you hear the voice of an older woman who says, Oh, I don't know, Wesley. How about 25 this time? He looks up and sees this older woman who has in tow with her a younger woman and a uh, maybe not quite middle-aged man but adult man a bit older than the, the, the second woman um, none of whom are people you've ever seen before in your life uh, the periphery officer looks at the woman he says to her uh, <laughs> I'm sorry miss I don't believe I've, I've had the, the pleasure uh, she walks forward and reaches out her hand and goes to shake it and says, um, and you won't anytime soon, son. So she, her hand, she's shaking. He kind of looks at her quizzically. Her second hand comes up and you see for just a quick second, she's got something small and black in it that looks kind of hard. Um, 
it just barely extends from the edge of her hand and she clobbers him in the temple with it. He collapses down in a in a heap like a sack of potatoes. Margaret's just grinning, and this is why I love you, Octavia. (laughs) (laughs) She says, if you loved me, love, then you'd help me get this poor man into the bush there. Oh, with pleasure. And I hoist him off into the bushes. I'm like, what did you do? Why did you do that? Um, The man was just doing his job. So Octavia has this guy by the arms. Margaret, she gestures for you to get him by the legs. As soon as she sees that Elk is kind of upset, she looks at Lawrence. She realizes Lawrence is not the guy to calm him down. And so (laughs) Octavia, till Lawrence kind of holds up the man's arms and she goes, be it, dear, would you? I'll I'll, uh, go over to uh, Elk. And it's like, hey, let's uh, let's go inside. We, we don't need a problem. She's still holding the periphery office yards, and she goes, not that, Lawrence, the man, the man. Oh, okay. Come over to him, and I'll I'll take the arms from him and help with uh, disposing. <laughs> she, she brushes her hands off her. She dresses, and she goes, oh, men. She turns and walks uh, over over to you, Elk. Um, again, she's a, I don't know. How tall is your character? Uh, he's about uh, average no. height, so 5'9", 5'10". Okay. So she, she's actually a bit taller than you. Um, and she kind of reaches down as she, she puts her hands on, like, you know, each hand on, on each one of your shoulders. And she says, young man, you have spent your entire life in search of something grander than this world. Yes? What, what do you mean? She, she's serious, but she's smiling. There's a warmth to it. And she goes, you've known for some time now that what we see around us is not all there is, haven't you? That there's something beyond. That there are places in the world where perhaps if one could just pry it open, they can what? see beyond. What? How do you know? What? Elkina Bottomley, Candela Obscura requests your assistance. He's gone completely pale. Now he's like, who are these crazy people attacking the officers? <laughs> well, you got the officer tucked Candela away Obscura? and uh, come and rejoin yeah. Octavia and our sure. new acquaintance. Do quick yeah, absolutely. Down. What is happening right now? This is absolutely Will Ferrell going, I'm so scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> you shut the fuck up. I'm so fucking scared. Um, uh, Okay, Octavia, for, for what it's worth, Margaret Lawrence, uh, Octavia is willing to sort of let you have your say here. I mean, she does look back at the two of you as you kind of join and, and flank her. What is Candela Obscura? You were wanting to it? get in there to see what's going on. I would take this woman up on her offer. You just attacked a, an officer of the law. Like a I officer. didn't attack him. I just put him in the bush. He's just going for a nap. It's okay. Elk is kind of in shock right now. Like, look, I was just curious what's happening. I'm being forced around by all these people, and no one's giving me any kind of answer. She's offering you an opportunity to get answers. Octavia says to you, Elk, trust me. That man will be just fine. It's not the first time that he's been knocked over the head in the midst of an investigation. Not by me, for what it's worth. She casts a sidelong glance at Lawrence, and she comes back. Just look away. (laughs) 
she says, There are things that must be done in the darkness, outside the purview of the people, to keep them and ourselves safe. I know of your family, whereas perhaps he didn't, and she gestures to the bush where he's been stashed. I and my organization do. I'm offering you a rare opportunity to step in and assist us with an investigation, with the potential promise of, of course, more to come. But you, as a student at this college, are in a very unique position to allow us to solve this investigation. Yoke cautiously I'm, I'm, I'm interested I, I don't know how you know of this interest of mine but I am but I need to know you know my family you know of my father I need to know that he will never know about this as you wish and she again not one to mince words looks at the two of you who have known her for some time and says the exhibition hall and turns on her heel and she goes right to the entrance that is now unguarded no periphery periphery officers have shown up since then I'm right behind her okay uh, I'm going to bring up the rear cautiously I'm still scared oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm still I'll, I'll have scared. you right behind Margaret I'll take up the rear okay I'm still <laughs> very scared like I'm st- I, I don't know who these people are how they know about this about me I, Elk is terrified, so he's gonna go out of fear and curiosity. So he's, he's okay. Octavia uh, steps up to the to the back door, and unfortunately, then finds that perhaps the reason it wasn't as well patrolled as one might have expected is that it is in fact locked. Um, Lawrence, she turns to you uh, and again. She's not like rolling her eyes or anything, but it's very much as she doesn't like having to rely on other people, even though she's. She is a light keeper. Um, she's still sort of getting used to that position. She hasn't been in it for very long. And she goes, the number of times I'm going to say to you today to be a good man. <laughs> and gestures to the door. I'm always a good man. And then I come <laughs> over and uh, you should have the burglary equipment, I would think. You do. Yeah. Right. So, All of right. course, so that's one of your three gear. Illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of your three gear for the day. So, um, for this, I will need you to make a hide test. Hide. Now that some of you are in the same location, by the way, now you can start spending drives if you'd like to. Assist. Yeah, I'm going to at least turn one cunning into a third hide. So, I'll roll three D6s. Okay. If you have three D6 on that roll, then you spend one drive there. I got a four. Okay, it's a mixed success. Uh, unfortunately, not a not a four on the gilded, so nope. you you'll lose that drive. Um, but it is a mixed success. Uh, you reach into your satchel. You have like a satchel, I'm guessing. Yeah, I would say some sort of <clears throat> satchel. Okay, like a harness maybe under under a big coat that you've got. Yeah, yes. so you you reach into your satchel for a, a couple of uh, basic picks. Um, 
they're nothing flashy, much like the thing <laughs> is about you. Something you've been keeping for some time that will allow you to to do the things you need to do. And uh, so you go to work on the lock. Uh, Octavia immediately takes up sort of a, a kind of defensive position. She just stands in front of you and uh, examines her fingernails, despite the fact that she has gloves on. Uh, just trying to block your view in case anybody comes around that side. Um, <clears throat> within a minute or so, maybe a little longer than you would have liked. It does get a little tense there for a second. You hear the lock click open, the tumblers falling into place properly, and the heavy oak wooden door creaks and slides open carefully toward the uh, interior of the hall. I make sure it's open wide and gesture everyone to please go along and into the door. Okay. So Octavia steps through, she looks at you, and and (laughs) she reaches up as she walks by and she kind of pats your cheek and says, good boy. (laughs) (laughs) I just chuckled to myself. (laughs) Um, The four of you then step inside, assuming that all of you follow. Yes. Okay. I make sure Elk uh, comes with us. Like he's (laughs) at least the second or last. I want him getting away. I'm going. I'm going. He knows too much now. (laughs) He's into Uh, you all. You all step inside the exhibition hall, and. it's a stark contrast to the outside. Again, the rain has, has begun to fall outside. Um, as you're stepping in, that, that bit of drizzle and patter is starting to come down a bit more heavy. Um, now that everyone is indoors, you can look up and see the, the large glass ceiling of the exhibition hall. It's constantly being pattered with rain. It's a good 30 to 40 feet up. It's way up there. It's a very high ceiling. Um, and it's just, again, being patterned with rain. You can see streaks of lightning that are, are crashing out on the sky. Uh, as you were moving in, you could hear some of the, the stalls outside. The few that still remained in the panic were starting to pack up their things and throw heavy canvas over uh, any of their materials to keep them safe and dry. You're inside now, but uh, it's not a comforting situation. It's much quieter than it should be on a Memorial Day inside this this huge exhibition hall. Um where once there was the crackling of inventions and such, you can hear only a few scattered voices here and there. Um, everything from panic to disappointment to concern. Uh, and as you enter the hall proper, you can see that it is littered with periphery officers. Periphery officers who are to some degree almost unavoidable, you quickly dart back sort of into the shadows um, <clears throat> as there are, there are officers that are moving about the hallway that have flashlights uh, and they're searching for anyone that you, you might see nearby, uh, that they, I should say, that they might see nearby who should be out of place. Because at this point, the only people allowed in the hall are those who are packing up inventions or directly involved in the investigation. Off to the side, Octavia, um, Margaret, she would sort of nudge you with her elbow in the side. And she points <clears throat> to where there uh, are a couple of figures seated on a bench with a pair of periphery officers sort of like standing guard beside them. They're not handcuffed or anything, but they're sitting there. And it's clear that they're not allowed to leave whenever they want. And Margaret goes, and there's the rest of our collection. Because seated between those two periphery officers are a stage magician and a clown. Heads hung low, hands in their laps, glaring at each other. 
and that's where we're going to call it for tonight. <laughs> oh, good. I have time to oh, think about good. what I want to do next time. Because <laughs> oh, I knew exactly what I was going to do this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll Love save it. it for next week. Um, guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us for PZ85 Plays Candela Obscura, the first proper episode of assignment number 665, Dressed to Kill. Um, we've got so much great Halloween stuff that is happening this month. Shannon, what do you want to tell them about? Uh, <laughs> Dead air. keep us in suspense or anything. Dead air. Well, Dead air. <laughs> I suppose we should mention that last night. Um, I think it was yesterday. I, I think, it was. It was. Uh, we we had the new episode of Howl's Eve Tales. Howl's Eve Tales. Tabula Rasa. And yep. this one is a particular meaningful one to myself. I wrote this one based on a short story that I wrote during COVID. Um, Hunter, you remember the Tales mm-hmm. from Lockdown series I do. that I did. Uh, this is adapted from that. It's the story of a teacher who uh, winds up in a, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, in a terrible situation. And uh, it's a it's him and his wife trying to get through this horrible situation in the small town of Evans City, Pennsylvania. It is an all-star cast. It's most of the people from the show was on it, including um, everyone here, Sans Tanner. Of course, he did the first episode under the big top. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really happy with season two. I think it's great. I think it's. I, I already think it's better than season one, and that's what you want to do with a series. Is you always want to top yeah. it season by season. Um, but that's not it. Of course, we have extras and epilogues tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Either Lindsay's going to be on talking about uh, Shelbyville, or Beetlejuice is going to be on talking about uh, Hocus Pocus. It's yeah, that sounds right. One, I think you got it. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then it's, uh, it's it's another Thursday horror show, and then horrors time this Friday, yeah. and that's all month long. Oh. It's oh, we did we did make one amendment, or we were talking about it earlier today. Um, Tanner and I had had made a suggestion. This Friday is actually Friday the thirteenth in October. So we had talked it previously about doing an uh, episode of Extras and Epilogues with Tanner for an ep- uh, a Friday the Thirteenth movie uh, being the last one of well, the month. Well, Hunter, if instead of if horse we time, do that, then we can do an American Werewolf in London as the last Extras exactly. and Epilogues. Exactly. 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 So yeah. instead of horse time this this Friday, maybe uh, a double feature Extras oh, and Epilogues. That's tomorrow that's night. We'll. Yeah, tomorrow night will, again, either be Hocus Pocus with Lindsay or Beetlejuice with Shelby. Those are coming up in the next couple of weeks, um, one way or another. And then this Friday, your double feature extras and epilogues for Halloween. Uh, Tanner, is, are we doing part four? Is that what we read on? Part four. All right, Friday the 13th, part four with the man, the the, the Jason himself, Tanner Calvert, this Friday night. He'll, and he'll, then again, sorry, he, somebody said something. He'll, he'll be back, the man behind the mask. Okay, there you go. And then stay tuned um, next Monday when we've got an all-new episode of Hollow's Eve Tales, and I believe yes. it's Lindsay. Lindsay's up to right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> I, hey, it, it, if it makes you feel better, Lindsay, I literally wrote my story in one day. I sat down for three hours and wrote it. I just need to get, you know, focus, which, like, I have one point in. So. All right, make a focus test. <laughs> make a fo- Drink is some that, of these. Is it gilded? Drink some of these margaritas. You'll get focused. I have an outline. I just need to flush it out. Unfocused, Shane. You mean unfocused. I need to flush it out. 
<laughs> and then uh, next Tuesday, again, we are back for the next installment of PZ85 Plays Candela Obscura. We've only got a handful of these uh, throughout the month, so our uh, investigators have now made their way to the scene of the crime. But uh, what happens next? Well, you'll just have to tune in to find out. I would Until like next to Tuesday, publicly yes. apologize to the people of, of England for butchering <laughs> and to continue to butcher their uh their their accent look, in the next couple look of weeks. we are i i'll make this disclaimer right now um i only knew about critical role until candela obscure i'd never watched or listened to anything they did um i get it now i get the hype i understand it again uh they're they're great at what they do they're also all professional professionals voice actors. Yeah. so they're not just voice actors they're actors too they're great at improv well, they're great at voices they're great at creating characters I, I, I would totally say totally enjoyed season one, and I need the episode three of season two to drop like now because I need to know what's going on. I Hunter, yeah. I would say at least two of the twelve people here right now are both improv <laughs> actors and um, <laughs> actors that I, have done voice acting and and. <laughs> For what it's worth, though, I, I know good and well I'm going to drop in and out of accents. I'm going to have to take a second to think about what to say. Like, it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, yes, we put this out recorded, but uh, we are not professionals. We're not paid for this service. Um, like you said, I it feels like the 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 um, I think you should leave. But well, I used to be a professional. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, we're doing we're doing what we can. We hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I hope you guys are, too. Um I meant that as the audience and then you guys, these people right here. And those people are, for what it's worth, uh, Shannon, Lindsay, Ethan, Tanner, and Steven. Until next Tuesday, thank you, thank you. Until next Tuesday, PZ85 Plays will return. Um, we'll see you then. Good night.